Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Inez Babea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. All right, so welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable. I'm Nathan Schiller. Hi, I'm Jamie. Thank you for joining us. Hi, and I'm Inez Zabea. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we'll be talking with Power Malu, a runner, activist, community organizer, volunteer, and leader of the back of the pack. And the list goes on on his contributions to the running community. Power, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all spending time to make this happen because this is much needed. You know, our voices are seldom heard. And it's important that we amplify it. So I love grassroots um, organizations and that I'm a grassroots organizer. So I appreciate y'all doing it yourself and putting it out there. Well, Power, that's great to hear. And it's great to have you on as our first guest. So I want to invite everyone to pull up a chair or maybe even lace up your shoes while we discuss anything and everything in this love-hate relationship we have with running. <laughs> Power, thank you for being first. But after we start, before we start, I'd like to introduce a segment called Sports Legacy. It's a segment on sports and how they changed history. Mm. Uh, so for today, for example, in September 1960, Cassius Clay, very known as uh, Muhammad Ali, won the gold medal at the Olympic Games in Rome, Italy, which I think is a great segue to, to you to talk about your involvement with overthrow boxing it wouldn't mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali's legacy mean in sports? All right. Um, so Muhammad Ali, just first and foremost, as, as an athlete, um, I respect him because my dad was a boxer. And so my dad was a boxer in the 60s, 70s, uh, and early 80s. And basically, Muhammad Ali was someone that he kind of looked up to because he was in the same weight class. He worked his way up to the same weight class. So my dad used to be uh, under Customato. Customato was a famous boxing trainer, boxing coach, who was most known for um, Mike Tyson in the 80s, discovering Mike Tyson. But he had a gym here on 14th Street in Manhattan, um, and it was called Empire Sports Club. And so my dad was part of his team. Gramercy Park Gym had a, a team called Empire Sports Club, and my dad was part of that team. Ali, uh, for me, later on, by Ali, not only as an athlete, but I, I signed up for the, the Army, for the Armed Forces, and putting himself on the line, meaning that he was willing to risk losing everything just to stand up for what was right. And so that was the first time that I can actually see uh, an athlete just kind of just put everything out there and say, you know what, this is wrong. And I don't care if you can't view me as a champion anymore because they're going to strip me of my belt. I'm going to do what's right. And I'm not going to go, you know, kill innocent people just because of this, um, this government's greed. Power, that's really wonderful stuff. I love what you said about Ali being willing to risk everything. Um, I was always a huge fan, even though boxing, you know, it's 
the it's one of our most violent sports, but Ali had the most incredible grace and passion and, and power all together. And he was able to go at people and in the ring, but the same way he went at people in the world at large to try to make it better. And he, he absolutely put himself on the line. He would he could throw away everything just to make the world a better place, um, or at least risk that. Yeah, and he was a poet also. Yeah, he has beautiful quotes. But if you think about his later in life challenges besides boxing, then he over, you know, he had to endure Parkinson's. So you see such strength and resilience, not only in his principles, in fighting, but also having to deal with a debilitating disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it showed the, the true fighting spirit. And so at Overthrow, um, which is originally an artist activist hub that I'm a part of, um, turned boxing gym, uh, there were a lot of artists and athletes that would converge in that space. And so my job as, as a bridge is to bring the community into that space and fight for something. Cause everybody has a fight. So our, our thing is like, what are you fighting for? And can we help support that? So within boxing, as speaking of uh, Ali, as an athlete, as an artist, and as an activist, he encompasses all three of those. And so that's something that um, I value in him. And I try to carry on um, whenever I look at athletes, um, baseball player, my, my favorite is Roberto Clemente. He used to be in the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he was a Puerto Rican hero because he actually um, died being a humanitarian. You know, there was an earthquake in Nicaragua. He sent aid out there. It didn't get to the people. He heard that the government was taking the supplies and not sharing them with the people. He decided to board a plane filled with supplies to make sure that it gets to the people. So here's another player, a professional that put everything on the line just to make sure that the people were taken care of. And he paid the ultimate price, which was his life because the plane never made it. It actually um, crashed into, into the sea. So I think we could just let Nathan go ahead and talk about the Pittsburgh connection that he's been dying to share. <laughs> Yeah, Power, it's funny you brought up uh, Roberto Clemente. I can't tell you how many book reports I wrote about him when I was in grade school, because I grew up in Pittsburgh, and he was a hero for everyone, especially, you know, again, with the crossover with Ali, not just the way he played the game, but the causes that he fought for. And, like, he put it absolutely spot on the way he was willing to, to put his life on the line for greater causes than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and just like knowing also that Martin Luther King did a couple of speeches in Puerto Rico and Clemente um, actually got to meet him and, um, and kind of established a relationship with him uh, so much so that when Ali passed away, I mean, when, um, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, Roberto Clemente um, decided that he was going to uh, not boycott, but, but decide not to play um, not to play the opening day game that uh, Pittsburgh was scheduled to play. And he actually started a ripple throughout the major leagues where uh, the owners started asking the players, um, you know, are you not, are you going to play? Are you not going to play? And, and Clemente um, stood up and said, you know, if you have to ask that question, I'm not sure the exact quote, but then, then it's a problem. You got to really like look at yourself um, in the mirror and so they decided um, not to play the opening 
opening game. And so then I think it was the Astros that they were playing. And so um, everyone else decided that they also were going to postpone all um, opening day games in honor of Martin Luther King just to, to, make a, to take a stand and you know to show the world that this is wrong and this is affecting us and we're not gonna just go on and act as if this didn't happen. So once again, you know, to defy corporations that just uh, about you know making money and putting people, um, distracting people with what's um, not really happening and acting as if you know things are okay. Here are these players that decide that they are they are going to take a stand, and so I admire that. Um, that about Clemente as well, because not only was he Latino with uh, an, a heavy accent, but he was an Negro player, you know, and, and, and so you had, to, you had to be, look at him as that, he had two strikes on him. He, he didn't speak English in the way that people were used to hearing it, so they made fun of him a lot of times, but yet he identified and meeting MLK in Puerto Rico solidified um, what he always knew and what he always um, wanted to, to fight for, which was um, the rights of, of all mankind. So when did you decide to use running in sports as a venue to demand social justice and, and bring awareness to marginalized communities? Um, I, I saw it early on. I mean, if I, if I go into the history, I don't know if you want to talk about that just yet, but I mean, it, of, of how I got involved in running, but um, early on, it was just the way of doing something that the average person or the or per people in my neighborhood didn't think that, that they were equipped to do or that they fit in or that, you know, they, they were part of something. So it was kind of like creating your own lane because it didn't really exist or uh, people weren't made to feel comfortable um, trying something new. So we kind of like decided to do our own thing. And so with that, that's, that's being an advocate. That's like saying, you know what, um, we don't feel like we're welcomed. So we're just going to create our own thing and, and just like start it for people that, that don't feel wanted or don't feel like they fit into something. You're welcome here. So it's kind of like, if it doesn't exist, you create it. You know, you create it, and that's that's kind of like what we did. So just early on, just off the strength of doing something that I know um, my dad used to do when I was six, seven years old. I used to watch him running around the track, and, you know, I knew that it was something that our people did. You know, people in our community should embrace this, and for health reasons, but um, more so because it's an activity that you can do, and you can get to know people, and, and you have, like, an opportunity to to be out in 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 the park and and enjoy the park that's that's your park kind of thing. So it's all done in in a in a radical sense of um, just appreciation for nature, getting out there in the street. Um, later on, we graduated to actually taking over the streets and taking over bridges. And it's just a sense of like you know we belong here, we are here, and you know, we're going to let you know that whether, you know, you include us in your things or not, we're going to create our own thing. So it was always a, a radical thing um, for us when we actually just started um, doing running. And, and for me, that's what it's always been. It's been like including our people, um, encouraging them to come out. You may not look like what the so-called runner is because we, we allow uh, media and, and brands to kind of like dictate how you should look um, 
you know, now they're opening up a little bit more to that. It's, it's feeling the pressure of the people because they have to answer to what the people are doing. And, and so it's our job to continue doing what we do and make it all inclusive. And that's what I try to do with any platform that I'm afforded, whether it's overthrow boxing or whether it's the running community or whether it's me hosting shows and, and using my poetry and, and my, my music and whatever, whatever I'm, I'm able to do when I travel around the world is like, it's always encouraging people to get together as a community and support one another. And so running has always been that for me and, and a space that I can see that people from all different walks of life can come together. So it's always been that radical. It's like, you know, this person shouldn't be talking to this person because stereotypes say that this person is dangerous or this person, you know, is from this community and, and they don't really understand each other. So they stay away from each other. So running kind of like breaks down that wall and it allows you to come together and it's just like the icebreaker and, and automatically you can just like really start getting to know each other. And so I saw it as a powerful tool. So it was just from, from early on, I knew that because I've always been an advocate in my community as a teenager, um, bringing people together, whether a, a project, a certain project in a neighborhood didn't get along with another um, complex. And I was like a mediator by default. So that was just automatic, me being on the street, roaming to different neighborhoods and being able to show people that, you know, it's deeper than just where you're from. It's like you, you have a spirit and that kind of thing. And I've always been that way. And so when you have a tool like running, you're able to call people, bring people together. Now, what else can you do other than just bringing people together just to run? Now it gets deeper. What are some causes that you can get people interested in and help people find their purpose? Because some people are just going through life just existing to exist, but we all have a purpose in life. And you know, it's, it's up to us to find it, but some people need a little nudge. And I think running helps us with that little nudge because we get to talk to people and, and we get to vibe with each other and we get inspired by each other, supporting one another. Howard, can you talk a little bit about um, how you raise awareness through your work with uh, mental health and why that's important? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so mental health is, is so uh, important because especially in our communities, we uh, have this um, stigma where people don't really talk about it. Um, in, in my family, I would, I would um, mention as a, as a direct effect on myself growing up, I would see uh, some of my uncles that, you know, they had some issues and um, people would kind of like whisper, like, you know, be careful, don't talk to him or, or, you know, he's going through something, like just leave him alone, let, you know, let him be in his room by himself and, and that kind of thing. And I would always like hear these things and it was always like a shame, like people were sh ashamed of having someone like this in your family and so instead of actually helping that person and dealing with them, it was more of stay away from them, keep them isolated. And that always affected me growing up because I didn't understand it. And it really wasn't until later on, which, you know, this is, this is uh, something that was very traumatizing that I had to get over. But my dad, um, had a mental mental illness and that stemmed from him not fulfilling his dream of becoming a world champion boxer so it was almost like 
Um, some people think that, you know, you, you're not born with this. Some people may, may have some, some kind of like, uh, I would say, uh, triggers that cause these things and they're not dealt with and it can start from early on. Um, you know, it could be in the womb even perhaps, you know, just like a, a chemical imbalance, you know, what, whatever it may be. And then it, it just gets amplified um, as, as you grow into, um, into uh, a child and, and then, and then an, an adult. Um, for my dad, it was later on where it was this thing where he had a dream. He, was in, he wanted to be the first Puerto Rican heavyweight champion. And along his journey, he realized that there were a lot of obstacles, not only physical obstacles um, in the sense that he had to train and then, um, and then family members were afraid that he would, be, he would get hurt in the ring. So there were uh, mental obstacles where they would tell him things like, you know, we want, we're afraid of, that you're gonna get hurt. Maybe, you know, you should give it up and that sort of thing. So he didn't have that kind of support but then there were, um, back in the days, there were a lot of uh, uh, mob, mafia uh, involved in fixing fights. And so your life will be threatened a lot of times. And so throughout his journey, he got his life threatened a few times that he had to like throw fights. He had to be a journeyman. Um, and so all of that stuff kind of crushed his dream because he still... Were, was was trying to make it, but he had all these obstacles in his way. And so he eventually gave it up and that stuck with him um, for, for quite some time. And he turned to drinking and that was a way that um, he was dealing with um, his, his issue, which he didn't understand how to deal with that trauma. That was very traumatizing for him. He, you know, he struggled all his life, he worked hard to to follow this dream and it didn't happen for him and yet he wasn't able to really talk to people about it all he would do is when he would drink he would always mention he's going to go back to the ring one day he's going to go back to the ring one day and that that illusion that he had caused him a lot of pain that he didn't seek help for and my dad ended up committing suicide and um the reason I say, I bring that up is because a lot of our people, whatever it may be that may trigger it, it, it can be triggered by, by various things. But I think that mental illness gets exacerbated. Um, it, it gets amplified when you don't have someone to talk to and, and it's just the stigma that's around what you're feeling and you may feel depressed and you may feel like you don't want to come out and if you don't feel, if you don't have that support around you, that can really um, be detrimental to, to, to someone's um, evolving, to someone kind of getting out of that and maybe finding some, something else or finding a different, a different way um, to feel worthy. Um, and so uh, I think that running, I think that exercise is really important, um, but more so the support that you get from doing an activity. And so with running, with boxing, with, with overthrow, when you establish a community that supports you, that you feel like you can actually come to them if you're feeling down and you're not gonna be shamed and you're not gonna be, um, yeah. be embarrassed. I, I agree. I think power you are so well known on the running community. 
you've been in the forefront of a lot of social injustice. How much more do you think the runners in the community can contribute towards the social justice causes that we are now having today? How do you feel that Bridge Runners has created that platform? Well, it's the entire running community is, is powerful. You know, I took a trip to the former Yugoslavia a few years ago and I realized how powerful running is. Um, they created two crews in the former Yugoslavia. It's basically, you know, two countries that were at war with each other that through running, they looked at bridge runners through social media and saw this platform as a way that they can unite their people. And I actually experienced what that feels like. And I saw um, elders who were crying because they saw that, you know, these people were able to, to come together. They call it two crews, one family. Um, and like bridge the gap. Um, it actually was a bridge the gap. It was in um, it was in Belgrade, and so so they had a half marathon, marathon, and they they had you know the the festivities after it, um, and they had crews from all over the world come together, and they uh, they got permission to uh, go into a park and plant trees and they planted trees that represented different crews and so they revealed they unveiled it that day and they call it bridge the gap park and so during that time is when i actually saw the power of our running community globally because um, locally i always knew like i've always been an advocate of bringing people together and bringing the crews together it's just always was something where when the brand started getting involved unfortunately it became this thing like you know, segregation, I look at it um, as an activist. I, I look at things in, in a broader spectrum and I see what, um, what the interests, what interests do and, and sometimes um, what people get lost in, in what the original intention behind um, starting something. Um, and for me, when I came back to New York, I, I was like, you know what, if these people said that they were inspired by us and they were able to bring two countries together that were at war through running, then we need to be continue to be an inspiration to others. They actually inspired me. And so I was like, you know what? Let's, let's continue to, to do what we can. And if we can bring people together, let's continue bringing awareness to, to the issues that are happening. So it always been that for me, but it just became more like, okay, what's going on? All right, run for justice. Let's do that. Let's, let's talk about immigration. Let's try to get our people some help, let's get them some lawyers, let's get them some representation <clears throat> because a lot of people are afraid they're gonna get deported. Um, and it's up to us to, to try to do that. We have a lot of resources with our, within our running community. So everything has always been about that. Let's do a panel discussion around mental, <clears throat> around mental illness. Let's talk about domestic violence. You know, let's talk about all the issues that a lot of times they seem isolated because a lot of people are afraid to talk about them. Let's talk about them. So. The well, same I mean, way you guys are starting this. Great way of power, I guess <clears throat> we can say like the problems in society, how are they reflected in the running community in regards to like representation, access, and diversity? How does how do you how do you see running being able to, I guess in a way, not just bring light to it, but like you were saying before, like running is for everyone. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be fast. Like yep. everyone is welcome. How can we make the running community really like? let that seep into like the rest of our lives. Yeah, exactly that, you know, I'm always an advocate of people in the back of the pack because I feel like that's 
that's important to make people understand that they're welcome, you know, and then it's like, okay, you in the back of the pack doesn't mean that you're not part of this. It's like, we all part of it, whether you're in the front, in the middle or the back. So in life, you know, some people may feel like they're not good enough. So how do you support those people? How do you help them like find out what their purpose is or like through our resources, we can do that. And I think as, in you, as humans, like just bringing out the humanity in everyone, I think that running allows that to happen. So when you're running, you, you hold yourself accountable for mileage and things like that. So now we're living in a time where we need to call things out and we need to start holding people accountable for that outside of the track, outside of, of running their miles. It's more like, you know, these, these things are happening. They're systemically happening. How can we create real change? And we're living in this world together. So let's not ignore what's going on. Let's really utilize the opportunity that we have, the power that we have as a people coming together. And that's why I always say we're diverse, but not divided, because that's the key thing. Like once people feel like they're, they're not um, affected by something, and you know they they allow the divide and conquer to happen, then no change happens. So, so power, it's a matter of us, you know. Power, I have a question. So you're you're talking a lot about bringing people together, and um, I was was curious, like, do you have any advice for how you would you know get people started doing this sort of stuff if they're listening and they're interested? For instance, I could even talk about myself. Like, I'm an ultra runner, but that means logging a lot of miles, and I do it a lot of it alone. But if I wanted to get you know together with a crew and be part of one, especially being you know, a white guy up here, uptown, Inwood, Washington Heights area, how, how would I or how would someone like me get involved and be part of all this stuff you're talking about? Oh, there's multi actually there's multiple crews um, uptown that you could get down with. I mean, Rue Crew is one of the key crews up there that's very diverse and they're always getting involved in different actions and and um, Ref and Patty Duke are kind of like the core of bringing the activist arm into that, but as far as everyone being welcomed, Root Crew is key up there in the Heights area. And I'm sure they would welcome you with open arms because it doesn't matter how fast or how much miles you run, right? It's just a matter of like getting together with people that enjoy uh, that action, that activity. And then from there, you can just like build as to like, you know, what's going on in this community that I live in? How can I get involved? Um, right now, there are 35 city council seats, at least 35 city council seats that are up this year. So when you're talking about making change in the in the local community, it's figuring out which districts are those um, seats coming up and then finding out who's running for those positions and then holding those people accountable, like bringing people together in your um, district that may be runners and then reaching out to myself or people like Coffee um, that are bringing other runners together for causes. And, you know, we bring people together, run to protest, all crews, one crew. And what we like to do is we bring these, these uh, issues to the forefront and then we start conversations with people to figure out how we can, you know, get started. Because it's not like a right away solution to these things, but it is, you know, uh, pace by, by pace, like the same way we do running, right? Like you're not just gonna start running and all of a sudden you're gonna run a marathon we like to, you know, we pace ourselves. So this is the same thing with this. And that's why we say this is like a marathon because we pacing ourselves in order to create the systemic change that needs to happen. So it happens in different ways. People looking at November for the big election, but like I said, these 35 seats are happening locally and we can have an effect that we can, you know, insert people in those positions that are really gonna have the people's best interests at heart 
then we can make real change in the local in the local that's government. a really great point that you brought up power like i feel like sometimes our crews are so focused on the fast runners mm-hmm. but if we ran a little bit slower mm-hmm. and it had these conversations and educated people on like the community boards yes uh, house representatives city yep. council the different committees that they can get involved in mm-hmm. maybe if we ran a little slower we can get some of our runners to think about how to spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> but I, New York it's, is so focused on fast. Do you right. feel that way? Yeah, it's, it's also having empathy, right? Like that's when, when you check yourself and, and you let, you know, you check your ego and you share that amongst other people that, okay, let's, let's designate one day that we can actually just like think about other people and not just ourselves. Because when we do this sport and we run together, is to support each other. And there may be times where we're racing and we want to be the fastest and that's cool. But overall, in order, in order to, help, um, to help create change, we can't do it alone. We got to do it together. So it's a matter of saying, you know what, today, you know, we're going we're gonna to slow down. We're going to do this for other people. It's bigger than just me. It's about all of us together. And then looking at all those different opportunities to that you can actually recruit people and bring people together and then help help others because that feeling is hard to explain but when you actually are sharing that moment with other people where they maybe felt like they couldn't you know do something and they actually are doing it it's like and you helped with that you helped give them that little nudge is is very satisfying it's like it, it helps create this like beautiful um vibe that that we all enjoy right we say like you know, good vibes only. And that's what we try to spread. You know, we try to spread crew love and that's what it's about. So not everybody think, has experienced that. Do you think that um, race and ethnicity gets pushed to the side sometimes in the run, in the run community? Like, I don't know. I mean, we're aware of the big issues, but sometimes I feel like there's smaller issues or microaggressions that we're not addressing. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's, that's in life in general. So um, when we have this space of running and we have this platform, then we need to, to call it out. And I think that that's what's happening right now. It's the beautiful thing is that people are showing up, trying to figure out how they can help, how they can share whatever information that they learn and how they could check themselves. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is that we're part of this, this system and we've been taught to be a certain way, me, me, me you know, be afraid of certain people because that's what they project out there. And I think that as, as a running community that we've been around all different types of people from different backgrounds, we know that those messages that are put out there in the media are not true and we should be able to lead with love and not fear. And I think that fear is what causes people to act a certain way and, and, and part of those microaggressions that you talk about and, and, and how, you know, people act to one another is based off of fear. So if we can remove that, you know, which uh, I do with a lot of meditation and I try to share that with a lot of people is that you gotta remove the labels and the stories that are attached to certain emotions that arise because those are things that we've been taught. We have to unlearn a lot of things. And in this moment right now that we're living in these uncertain times due to COVID and then now due to, you know, people waking up and, and seeing that systemic racism really exists on all fronts and we need to fight to get rid of it. We need to be truthful with ourselves first and foremost. So you have to check yourself first and you have to do the work within yourself first 
before you think that you're going to be able to to help change anything and that that truth comes with us being sent to our room as covid has done it sent us to our room we had to be with ourselves and kind of like figure out who we are at the core what are the type of things that we've been doing that we know that our gut has told us that this is wrong or you know our spirit has told us that the way we're behaving is wrong but we've ignored it now we have less distractions so let's get real with each other and you know and that's that's part of it that's part of our growth that's part of us evolving as humans and and as spiritual beings and so that's you know as as part of the running community we need to start checking those things and like i said before if we can hold ourselves accountable for mileage then we need to hold ourselves accountable when people do things that are microaggressions or people do things or 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 participate in systems that are caused to oppress people you know we need to really we need to be real with one another so power that's a really great way to end our first episode you have been incredible but we're not done yet um i want to um oh power i'm sorry we we have the segment that we're doing at the end jamie i'll let you take it because that's in our script and let's stick with that sorry okay. about that <laughs> all right okay that brings us to the end for two minutes we're gonna give you the hot mic you get I'm keeping to talk. time okay you get to talk you vent you share about a topic that's important to you so you're in the hot seat power and I'll give you two minutes. Go. So our world is diverse. Um, running has been an instrument that we've used to better ourselves. Um, something that we may have been afraid of doing, but we learned that we can communicate with people from all walks of life. Unfortunately, some way along the road, we lost ourselves. We lost ourselves to the same system that has oppressed our people, which is capitalism. This is not real capitalism. It's, it's a, a form that actually has been made for us to believe that in order to get to a certain level, we have to crush other people. Um, it has made us to believe that there's not enough for everybody. It has made us to believe that it's all about me, 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 when in fact, the best way for us to live is to erase that me, me, me and get to the we, right? I say get away from the ego system and get back to that ecosystem of us working together. I feel that throughout our journey, money, when money gets involved in things, people start becoming selfish. And I think that we need to get back to us as a community. First and foremost, the running community has a very important role to play in this movement that's happening. This movement that's happening to stop the genocide and stop the oppression of people that have been oppressed for so many years. We need to really step up and be truthful with ourselves. And I don't think that there are people that are honest. Um, I think that there are a lot of corporations that are trying to use this moment to just kind of get their little shine and pretend that they're doing something. They might donate some money here and there and then there's no follow through. There might be a meeting here and there about diversity, but there's no real follow through. It's like somebody putting a, a ad for, you know, for something and saying, oh, look, you know, we put out an ad, we did our thing the same way people are posting on social media, but there's no real follow through. We need to all get real with ourselves. We need to get real with who we are supporting. And that means 
who we're buying from. We need to buy locally. We need to support our local stores. We need to support our Black-owned businesses. We need to come real and know that this country for years has been neglecting Black and brown people. There's a wealth gap. There's health disparities. And as human beings, as spiritual beings, what's right, we know what's right. And what's wrong, we know what's wrong. And we need to really help to, to close that wealth gap. We need to do what we can. So get back to, in, get in tune with your spirit. Get in tune with that gut feeling and do the right thing. Like that Spike Lee movie says, you know, we don't get caught up in the distractions. There was less distractions. You know, I'm very disappointed with the athletes in the NBA that stepped up. You know, they, they, they decided they were gonna leave the bubble. They went to this march in DC. They acted like, oh yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this. That was a beautiful moment for us to be able to follow that as a people. So many people that have been distracted by sports, but yet they got convinced to go right back and start playing again. And so they lost the moment. It wasn't an Ali moment. We, we opened the show talking about Muhammad Ali. He did the real thing. He risked it all. These players did not risk it all. They decided to go right back. They got convinced by the same system that has been oppressing our people. We need to do away with the distractions and get real with ourselves so that we can create that change that we want to see in the world for our babies and our babies' babies. It's the only way it's going to happen. We got to call it out. Systemic racism is on all fronts. If a brand is somebody that you support, make sure that they're doing the right thing and they're following through with whatever they pledge. And we need this to be consistent, not just a fly-by-night thing, because this is a movement for the people by the people, and we can't just like let it get hijacked. Well, Power, this is uh, a great way for us to open our hot mic section, you know what I mean? Basically just speaking from the heart, like you always do. And this is the, the end of the show. This is why we wanna end the show with our guests, like you just did, just really sharing, speaking from, from the heart about what is it that we need to talk about and you know, the, the conversations we want people to get uncomfortable about, like you're saying, just like face your truths, face your fears face um, your, the microaggressions that you see, face the challenges of like not thinking just about yourself and your speed, but think about the community that you are part of. And so I'd like to thank you so much for being our guest. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Jamie and Nathan for taking this journey with us and to keep getting uncomfortable. Thank you yeah. so much for our no, thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. That's what this is about. We got to have these uncomfortable conversations. Keep having them. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store, and follow us on Spotify.